0: Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinschek, James Kernan, Amy Luby, and Carl Palachuk, produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts technology community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional.
1: All right. Welcome back to the SMB Community Podcast. This is James Kernan with Kernan Consulting and I am here with my good friends uh, Carl and Amy
0: Babinchek. What up? Carl Babincheck and Amy Babinchek. Hello, gang.
2: <laughs> Hello from the Chucks of the world.
0: <laughs> yeah. yes. so, so I'm in Sacramento where I just have a brand new porch, which nobody cares about except me, but uh, uh, I have a new new concrete pad in front of my house. So uh, now I have to figure out what to do with it and uh, how I want to fancy it up. Well, well, you can't just say that without photos. I, I need to
1: see a photo of it. I'm jealous. Uh, so well, we it's, it's nothing link.
0: to be jealous of, but I, 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 we can post a photo if that's necessary.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. I like projects like that. So good, you guys all doing well. So obviously Carl's looking very dapper today and he's got a new front porch. So I know he's in a good mood. How about (laughs) you, Amy, what's
0: happening with you?
2: I'm in a good mood. The boat is launched and uh, the garden is doing well and these things make me happy.
0: Yes, I've Mm -hmm. enjoyed following your garden on Facebook. Thank you, thank you. Amy's the only person I know that intentionally grows her own mushrooms. And I they're do. not I... they're not psychedelic. They're just, they're <laughs> <into> the <laughs> mushrooms
2: they're they're just they're just for eating. Yeah, I'm putting in a second mushroom bed in my backyard, actually. So I just I have this goal that you know my little suburban backyard should should be a a tiny self-sufficient farm. Yeah. <laughs> I just I have fun doing it. so
1: yeah, I love gardening. that's my
0: that's my sanctuary as well. We have uh, we have too much uh, dry, hot air here to be growing mushrooms. Uh, I'd have to I'd have to break all the laws of watering in order to keep them alive.
1: Yeah. And in California, you get fined uh, for that type of stuff. Amy, you and I were chatting before the call today, but you had a really great uh, question of the day that came up. Do you want to talk about that?
2: Yeah, I actually, it's not my question. This question is one that I saw um, on LinkedIn from from Janet Shine. She's taking a survey, and I'm pretty sure it's still active, so we'll put that link down in the show notes. But her question that she has for everyone essentially is, uh, how do we think that AI is going to affect our service delivery? Is it going to save us money, cost us money, or have no change? And, you know, it honestly was a question that I had not given any consideration to until I saw the question. And, um, you know, I did sit and think about it. And um, I don't know that it, for me, I don't know that it will have a change in the cost of service delivery. I think it may potentially change the way we deliver services, but I don't know that it's gonna necessarily save us dollars when we do so. Well,
0: and it's, it is specifically within the next two years. And so I think that the, the easy answer is it won't change much in the next two years.
2: (laughs) But, you know, when Mm -hmm. you fill out the survey, you do get to see the other surveys respondents and most respondents are saying that it is going to save them a lot of money. And Mm. I was really Surprise, because I was definitely the the odd person out on the the survey. At least, at least to the point it is today.
1: Yeah. Did they elaborate on how they thought they would save money, or did they just feel just share their opinion they think they'd save money?
2: Uh, just just that they would save money, right? The the survey just okay. you know has a little box for you to to check, and and she does encourage comments on that survey, but but there I didn't happen to see any that were there.
0: And I, think I would be I would interested
2: take- in. I'd be interested in knowing why people think that they're going to save right. twenty to forty percent of their service delivery cost because of AI. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Uh, I, I think see- what's funny is I think that that'll that'll end up costing them money because somebody's going to come up at one of the shows with an AI plug-in to your PSA to go look at all of your tickets and recommend this and that and help sort out uh, priorities and you know, so forth and so on. We'll take take that service delivery to the next level. I don't know if it'll happen in the next two years, but uh, that will then be a product you will spend money on. So, you know, right. <laughs> or 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 happy thought, a lot of the existing uh,
1: manufacturers will integrate that and make their technology better with the use of AI. Um, you know, either, uh, you know, hopefully it'll happen that way because it'll be less expensive. But yeah, it's a good, good point. I can see, I can see AI making the experience better and making it more effective. uh, But I I don't, I have a hard time seeing the cost savings of that.
0: Well, I I always think the future is very bright. (laughs) So, so I think the future is very bright with AI. I think that if, if IT consultants adopt training programs and train their clients where it's useful and where it's not in particular, you know, on the chat based stuff, you know, Set up a program to train your clients, and you'll be able to make some money on it. But in all these people who are worried that AI is going to take over the world or take over all the way our jobs or whatever, that won't happen in my lifetime. You know the I, I think that what always happens with new technology is it creates more jobs than it destroys. Mm-hmm.
2: I agree. yeah, there's going to be a lot of job changing, but In the end, I think there are more jobs, not fewer jobs. Everything in human history to this point supports that notion. So I think you're spot on, Carl.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: This podcast is sponsored by the Small Biz Thoughts technology community. Check us out at smallbizthoughts.org. Forms, templates, and checklists are just the start. Our community includes all of the best-selling books on managed services in all available formats. Plus, free training, members-only programs, and the best business training available to managed service providers anywhere. Plus, we have weekly, live, members-only Zoom calls. The average member saves more than 200% of their membership cost each year. We are totally dedicated to your success. Just because you're in business for yourself doesn't mean you have to go it alone. Join us today at smallbizthoughts.org. So
1: what else is in the news?
2: Um, you know, I saw a really interesting article from Hive Systems. Um, somebody actually posted it in my my ransomware and security group, and it's the it's the chart of password security, right? How secure is your password? How long would it take the hackers to hack it? Mm-hmm. And specifically, they updated it um, due to, you know, new versions of GPUs out there, but also the advent of of AI. And, you know, is can we apply more intelligence to the hacking of your password? And the answer is, of course, yes, they can. And it drastically, changed the password landscape. Um, and then it's a really a great article, which we have the um, the link to in the show notes as well. I really encourage you to read it because it's a super well-written article, talks about all the different methodology of how you can measure these things. My favorite, and, and how that changes this you know chart that we all see out there. My favorite one was all the way at the end where it says, and what if you actually entered your new username and password into a phishing website, or you use the same password across multiple sites, or you use passwords that have recognizable uh, words in them or and patterns. And then the whole thing goes to immediately hacked, right? Right, <laughs> instantly. Instantly. Yes, that was the word instant, right? I don't care how many characters are in it. It is instantly hackable by tech technology. So uh, well, it's a really, was, really great article to read.
0: I was chatting with some people about, you know, the fact that uh, a lot of the links you see for Zoom, uh, the, the password hash is the same. And it's like, well, that's because it's the same password. And the bad guys don't need the password if they've got the hash, right? So uh, we were even, I think Amy was on a call where somebody couldn't remember the password, but they entered the hash and uh, it let them in. So, <laughs> wow, you know, that's, that's how this worked. That's why putting the same thing in on two different websites, it's like, oh, okay. We've got, you know, there's James on two different websites, same hash. Okay, we're good yep. to go. Good to go. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, Carl, you said that NVIDIA is absurdly expensive. Are you trying to buy NVIDIA stock?
0: Oh, no, 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 no. I think when NVIDIA went up, whatever it was, 27, 28% in one day, it was because of the love of, like, they they basically said, look, our earnings were better than expected, which always happens. And then... um, People were like, oh, this is our buy-in to AI. And so I think it's really a play on AI. And but it it means that their market cap is 952 billion, um, which is a dramatic jump when you compare it to, you know, things like Ford and Alcoa, and so forth, you know, the mm-hmm. the 204 uh uh, price, you know, the the P- PE ratio is just ridiculous. I mean, it is over the top. Wow. Um, you know, Microsoft is 36 and Apple is 25 or 27 or something, you know, so it, I think it is so dramatically overpriced that at some point people are just going to say, all right, I was hoping that this would keep going up and it didn't. So I'm taking my money back and all that cash will disappear. So it be uh, a I good time
2: to split NVIDIA, to for them to split their stock? Like, <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I don't know enough about them to know if they are a, a splitter-type stock. Some stocks are not. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They could double yeah. their money, though, perhaps. They did.
0: Right? Yes. Well, but, if it uh, split, you'd probably have half the people would just sell everything.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, it, if, the interesting thing, what you just said, it's related to what we were talking about before with AI. Um, isn't it? I just find it fascinating that GPUs are the, are the processor that the Internet's starting to run on, and the CPU is regulated to our mobile devices and our laptops and such, and um, that there's that split. and' that's, that's what's driving these these unexpected companies like Nvidia so high, because they kind of have a lock on the market.
0: Well, it, the GPUs are also what they use because of pr- it, in order to process graphics in three D at, at a fast speed, right? That's what you need. Um, they're what is at the core of doing bit mining for Bitcoin, right? So there's kind of this. There's already there's too much pressure on the market because of Bitcoin, and then you throw in a sudden awareness of AI, and everybody knows. Oh, we really do have a, a chip shortage. <laughs>
2: Well, thankfully, cryptocurrency is moving away from having to run on GPUs at high speeds, ever increasing speeds, because that was a losing effort. I wonder if AI will run into the same problem that cryptocurrency ran into, where it becomes too expensive to process more information. That's an
0: interesting question because with Tensor and others, uh, you know, Microsoft has a huge AI they've had for. I don't know, three years now, or you can publicly buy into their AI, you know, programming. Um, and so you don't have to have your own chip in your closet doing any work for you. Right. Uh, and Amazon has the same thing and Google has the same thing. So you can buy your, uh, your flops uh, somewhere else.
2: You can do the same thing for mining too, though. You can go buy time on a GPU, you know, whatever they call it, farm.
0: But It's better. I, I guess the Bitcoin folks, they think it's better to just buy all the spare electricity uh, in a province in Canada than to uh, invest in somebody else's technology.
2: It, did China kicked them out. They were sucking up all the electricity from the new dams that China put in. But I think China kicked them out finally.
0: <laughs> Maybe they did. I, I actually didn't. I'm not aware of what the current status of that is.
2: <laughs> Thankfully, so. I don't have to be aware of such things either, because I have never uh, been a never been a miner of Bitcoin. And the crypto market's getting too complicated. Did you see that uh, Coinbase has now been sued by the SEC? And I found that really interesting because Coinbase has been the company that has been the loudest about saying. We need legislation. We need regulation for our industry. We need, and the SEC is like, oh, we're suing you.
0: <laughs> well, but it's in part because there's securities. They're saying Coinbase, some of the, the coins that they trade are actually uh, unregistered securities.
2: And I think that's the part where Coinbase has been saying we need we need new regulations to manage this stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how it makes its way through the courts. Right. The part of the problem is if there are securities, you have to separate them from your non-security business. But now you're an investment bank, right?
0: Well, the, the folks who love the the coins uh, also love being outside the norm of civilization. So as soon as they get regulated and treated like an investment, then they're just going to go find something else to do.
1: That
2: mm-hmm. yeah. could be. Yeah. All right. So you. in the news today, ConnectWise may or may not be up for sale. <laughs> it seems like yeah, it's I've a, a major rumor hitting all the all the the news media this morning. what do you guys think?
1: It's interesting. I, I um what was most interesting to me is is what the anonymous poster was uh, saying on the on the reddit article that that I saw uh, about um, that they're looking to sell, and they just can't hit the price point they need to hit because of a certain criteria, but they're uh, profits are flat, and their growth numbers are flat as compared to their competition. And uh, in some industries, you know, ten percent is is good, but I guess in that space, it's uh, not good enough. You know, their private investors are looking, you know, for much higher, you know, 50 percent. And uh, what was interesting too is is why they said they were flat, and it really highlighted uh, the inside scoop was more a this poor customer service. And, and to me, business can be so simple if you do the right thing and you take care of your customer, right? If you do the right thing, take care of your customer, good things are going to happen. It might take a little bit of time, but good things are going to happen. And uh, I think the uh, anonymous poster was kind of hinting that's not the case. So what are your thoughts, Carl?
0: Well, I've done a few blog posts on private equity in our industry recently. And, uh, you know, this is 100% expected. When you get to the point where you can't give somebody the 20 or 30% that they require, they're going Mm. to move somewhere else. And uh, I have mentioned a couple of times that private equity is going to leave our industry when they can no longer, uh, take money out in bucketfuls and, um, so they may not lead completely, but if they start gobbling up some more and you combine some more, then you'll have one owner for everything. <laughs> right. And you know the, there are some regular things that private equity does. And, and the first thing is, if you think about it right now, how do you maximize your return? Well, you fire a bunch of employees you right. That's an instant boost to your profitability. Then you stop new development, right? So all those people who have had, you know, a lot of the the sort of good smaller companies, they let everybody vote on which things need to be improved next, right? Well, you just throw that away because that's irrelevant, um, and so improvement freezes. And then you know, what's one thing at a time? You you make moves that make money short term. None wow. of those things are consistent with making money long-term and reinvesting. I can't remember. NVIDIA, speaking of NVIDIA, invests something like 20% of their profit back into uh, research and development. Yep. That's huge. Over half of their employees are in research and development. You don't do that when you're funded by private equity because right. all of that is future money that might happen And what they care about is immediate money that happens now, and so they don't have any reason to have to build a long-term strong company that will last for a hundred years. Yeah,
2: you think is this a cautionary tale for Kaseya? Because (laughs) you know, gosh, talk about a company who has had a really bad spin in the news that just won't give up about. Uh, poor, how, you know, MSPs are feeling poorly treated. And um, they also have been gobbling up companies. Uh, ConnectWise gobbled up companies. You know, we see there's a lot of similarities there. Uh, And I think one of the keys is how well you integrate those into a single image for your company, because all of those companies you gobbled up had raving fans. Um, and the key is to, you know, to bring those into a cohesive whole. And I think if you fail at that, your profits are going are gonna to show it too. So I I suspect that Kaseya, if they're not, anyway, they should be paying close attention to
0: what's I, happening. Oh, they they are definitely paying attention. <laughs> and, it, and Kaseya, this is a cautionary tale for them because, uh, you know, if, if folks aren't familiar with the MSP Reddit, um, it is filled with anonymous comments about Kaseya. And a lot of these folks feel like they have to be anonymous because they don't want their clients to know how shaky the tools are that they have used to build their entire business. Yeah. And, you know, if if you suddenly say, well, what happens if, you know, pick pick a PSA if they just lock up, shut the doors and cease to exist? Where's your data? How do you back it up? How how portable is it? I think we really need to start focusing on choosing vendors very, very carefully in this industry. And that includes portability. And if there's no portability, keep going to the next vendor. You know, uh, when I think about like choosing somebody to, to run an organization, I wanna know, you know, is my data gonna be portable? Uh, if I if I pick a, a key product like QuickBooks versus zero versus custom Larry's pretty good finance package, um, which one of these is most likely to be portable if I change vendors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to be doing the same thing because ultimately, you're going to have to very soon be responsible to the federal government for how you run your business. And one of the things is how sustainable is your business model? And if you rely on vendors who don't have sustainable business models, that means your business doesn't have a sustainable business model.
2: Isn't this a case of, what do they say, like nobody ever got fired for investing in IBM? Like it, these are the two largest companies that we have out there. They seem like they should be the safe bet, but you're right. I think the winner here seems to be, in my very unscientific browsing of Facebook and whatnot is uh, Ninja One. Boy, do I see a lot of partners moving in that direction.
0: Yeah, and H- Halo PSA as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah well, um, and,
0: and that's only true to the extent that they don't also go after private equity money. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: It's, yeah. it's, well, a, it's such an interesting point, Carl, of what you've talked about. It, it reminds me of so many things, but The point of reinvesting your profits back in your business. That's how I built my business. You know, I I didn't borrow money from other people. I built it. I reinvested the profits back in the business. And I always tried to grow things that way uh, because I didn't want to uh, make bad long-term decisions to get short-term results. And private equity will do that. Or when you get too many hands in the cookie jar, if you're privately held, and then even case in point, publicly traded companies. I was a a contract executive for a firm for about a year. And it was my first time as an executive with a publicly traded company. And I continually battled the CFO to uh, fight for what was right, as opposed to, you know, they wanted to make bad long-term decisions to get short-term results. And to me, that's not sustainable. You know that's not the long-term vision that I want to be a part part of. So um, I think that's really important, and it goes just back to what I said earlier: just doing the right thing, and it's something that we all need to look out for because it seems right. like there's more consolidation every day.
0: Well, you know, we had talked about leadership earlier. One of the best bosses I ever met in my life. Uh, he built up a company, and uh, he wanted to sell off a piece of it to somebody. Um, because he built it up to the point where it needed it needed some investment to take the development to the next level. And you know, it was needed money, basically. And um, he was super successful. but he interviewed company after company after company, and he rejected their offers because they were either going to fire some of his employees, they were going to completely change the code base. you know, there were like c- certain key things that he believed were part of. Their long term, you know, 20 year success, um, he eventually settled on QuickBooks and sold them what became the QuickBooks point of sale system, was mm. his company. But uh, it, it's funny because I know nothing about Intuit except from my experience with him. I know that they're a good company that is well run and pays attention to the long term. <laughs> That's all I know. And I only know it because. Uh, knowing this guy who had rejected so many offers um, and you know he basically he could have certainly sold to or taken out money from private equity and he clearly didn't want to do that because they didn't check any of the boxes he was interested in yep yep and private equity by the way we should have a whole show on this doesn't have to be that way this is just we're experiencing one way that it can be implemented but Um, many industries don't have the experience that we're going through right now. Yeah. Please like, share, subscribe, tell all your friends, and we will see you next week on the SMB Community Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.